We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an off season this year, so that was different, but feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea, and you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. But what we did see in the process of him going through his struggles is that he kept a positive attitude. Jacoby Brissett was a tremendous help, and Coach Stefanski was supportive as well. But also you did see signs, despite the averages and all the things that you point out, of promise of what he can be once he's on track. And we can never forget this, and I can't say it enough. These guys are on the football field with him. They're in midseason form. He's not even in preseason form. So yep. put that to what it's worth, and then you'll figure that explaining some of the reasons why he played the way in which he did. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, which Rod's alluding to there, three of his five lowest-rated games of his career out of 54 games are the first games that he started that season. All five of them are in the bottom 14 of his career. So he's a guy that, as he starts to get into the groove, gets a little bit better for the Browns. They're going to have to hope that comes sooner rather than later. Now, you could tell, Gerard, there was some new wrinkles in the run game because of defenses having to respect Deshaun Watson, some read options, some RPO. What did you see as Nick Chubb ran for 80 yards, Kareem Hunt for 56, Watson added 21, but the Browns, 38 carries, 174 yards on the ground. Well, previous weeks, Nathan, I noticed this. A lot of defensive ends were crashing down the end of yep. the line of scrimmage and getting the backside tackles. Knows that since the Miami game. That's been real prevalent. Not respecting the idea that Jacoby could do a bootleg and run the football. But with Deshaun in the game, I noticed the guys were holding their own and staying home and not losing contain on the backside. So I think that made a difference. And by doing that, that gave Nick Chubb enough time to – as he likes to do, dissect with his running game and be patient, and then at the last second go through a hole. And in this case, he had that opportunity, like unlike previous weeks, because, again, you didn't have a defensive end crashing down on the backside, tackling from behind. Yeah, you could see those cutbacks certainly were more open for Nick Chubb in that game. He took advantage of them. He is second in the NFL in rushing yards, second in the NFL in rushing touchdowns. He leads the NFL in rushes of more than 10 yards, leads the NFL in rushes of more than 20 yards. He added one of those in that game. It was also good to see Kareem Hunt involved. 74 total yards, nine carries, 56 yards, 74 total yards. That's his high, ties his high for the season. And I think when you think about Cincinnati coming or going to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, you're going to need Kareem Hunt. He had 72 total yards in that first matchup. And you love the physical element that he brings to the game. And I'm not saying Nick Chubb, and I have to always – preface this by saying Nick Chubb is a very physical runner. We know that. He breaks plenty of tackles all the time. But Kareem Hunt's bowling ball, wrecking ball style of running is very aggressive, and it's like, come on, defender, come get some of this. I want to take on the contact. I'm going to initiate it. And you have that different ebb and flow between the two, the yin and the yang approach of how they go about it just beats the defense down. So 38 carries, I had no problem with them sharing that workload and what that represented. And obviously Deshaun Watson got in the mix as well with some design quarterback runs. And if that's what it takes to get the job done until Deshaun gets more and more comfortable throwing the football, then that's what we have to do. 
You're exactly right about that. Let's talk about the defense, though, that played very well in this game. Got an interception on the opening play. Kind of a fortuitous bounce, if you will, into the hands of John Johnson. And while the defense didn't get any sacks in this one, they were around Kyle Allen all day. A lot of pressure. You get two interceptions in this one. You should have had three. You got a dropped pick by Greg Newsom, which would have been great. The first of his career, likely a pick six. But you did get a pick six later. Winovich with a tip. Fields into the house. Uh, and then you also had the forced fumble by Fields recovered by Denzel Ward for his second fumble recovery touchdown of the season. They really just kind of dominated the Texans in this one, generating takeaways, and that's what this defense is all about. It certainly is, and I've, I've figured out something based on Sunday's play with the defense. I would rather see defensive turnovers that result in points as opposed sure. to a sack. I learned that. Now, if it's a strip sack for a touchdown, I'll take it. And obviously, if it's a situation where you need to get off the field on third down, we'll take it, but Again, we had this question prior to the game, what would we see more of? Would it be sacks or turnovers? And I was like, it has to be sacks with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney on the football field versus Allen. But obviously, someone didn't tell Tony Fields that because he had a field day. My man had a career day, and that was so impressive, him getting an opportunity and taking advantage of it by being so productive on the football field. And I wonder what his fantasy points would be if they were measuring them. He, was, he would have been blown up in an IDP league. Tony Fields on the day, a forced fumble that was recovered by Denzel for a touchdown, a fumble recovery of his own, and an interception that he returned for a touchdown in addition to four tackles on the day. A banner performance from him. This game, though, we're going to need more like that from him because we lose Sione Takitaki and this linebacking core that's already without Anthony Walker, already without Jacob Phillips, now without Takitaki. So Fields stepped up. Deion Jones is going to have to step up, as will Jordan Kunashik as the Browns get ready for the final five games of the season. Let's take a look ahead now, though, to this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They are 8-4. and four. They have won four in a row. In fact, the last time that the Bengals lost was Week 8, Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns. And But they are red hot. Burrow is red hot really quickly with some injuries right now. Uh, Denzel Ward, Wyatt Teller, David Njoku will all play this week. They did not in that opening game. DJ Reader, Jamar Chase, they return for the Bengals. Hayden Hurst unlikely to play for the Bengals. We know that. T. Higgins added to the injury report today, as was Sam Hubbard today. Hamstring and calf, that's something to keep an eye on for the Browns. Farrell Brown did not practice with an illness. Chase Winovich with a knee. It should also be noted that Anthony Schwartz was placed on injured reserve with his concussion. Obviously lost a fumble in that game. Jalen Darden signed. The Browns looking at him as a returner. We'll see what else they get out of him. But both teams... As close to full strength as possible for the Browns, obviously the big injury in that linebacking core for the Bengals. They lost one of their great corners, Chidobe Awuzie, in the game against us, but they are looking very healthy, and Jamar Chase is back. Yeah, and, and right there you name all the guys, and when you play the physical type of game in which they played against Kansas City, because you essentially on Sunday for the Bengals had a playoff game, Nathan, and yep. it takes a good week to recover from that. So I am not surprised that you had that injury report for Cincinnati because that is what is called of one when you step on that upper echelon of football play and that your football games, especially when someone starts to envision and see you as a rival, it's going to be physical. And you're gonna and if you watch that game, T. Higgins made some spectacular catches. Yep. And he also took a lot of punishment along with those catches that he was sacrificing his body to make. So it doesn't surprise me that that many guys for their squad is on the mend. 
Joe Burrow comes into this one second in the NFL in completion percentage, second in the NFL in passing yards, second in the NFL in touchdowns, fifth in quarterback rating. But since week three, they are eight and two, the number one quarterback rating in the entire NFL. But Burrow has never beaten the Browns. 0-4 against the Browns. The Browns have won five straight in this series. And part of the reason is they've been able to get to him. Five sacks in each of the last two games. Three turnovers in each of the last two games, won 32-13 on Monday Night Football, and then last year in Cincy, 41-16. Denzel Ward opened that game with the pick six. Burrow's been so good, the Browns seem to have his kryptonite. It's one of those weird, the styles make the fights. He's already talking about how Miles Garrett is different. He's in his head a little bit. What do you make of that, Gerard? Joe Burrow, who's been so good. And really, it's funny, he's 0-4 against the Browns, but here are his numbers in the four games. 68% completions, 309 yards a game, eight touchdowns, four picks, and a 93 rating. So, not like he's been terrible. No, it's, it's truth to that. Think about all the matchups through the years. We had the hardest time in the 80s of beating who? The Broncos. But we could beat the Oilers. We could beat any other the Steelers in that, in that era, but we could not get past the Broncos. Think about in the... The 90s, the 49ers could not beat the Green Bay Packers to save their lives, yep. but they could beat the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Cowboys could beat the Green Bay Packers. And now you have a situation here where the Bengals simply just know what to do when it comes against the Chiefs. But for some reason, when we put on our orange helmets and our orange or brown or white pants, it does something to them. And I do think it's the style of fight because we are built to beat a team just like that. Because if you're going to make your game predicated on passing the football, we have two premier pass rushers in Miles yep. Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, and we have speed guys in the secondary and in the in the second layer of the defense, or second level, if you will, who can also run around as well. So it matches up extremely well. So the case becomes for the Bengals, are you going to be stubborn and pass the football, or are you going to test our run defense? Because that's where most teams appear to have the most success. And they've proven, Nathan, that they're going to be arrogant about the situation and say, we don't care what you have on defense, we're going to pass it because that's what we do. That is what they do. Miles Garrett, though, has other ideas. Six sacks in four games against Joe Burrow. Nine career sacks against the Bengals in eight games. He's got a sack in at least five straight and one and a half sacks in each of his last two games. But you're right. They're going to throw it, and why not? When they have Chase and Higgins in the lineup this year, they're 5-1, and one, 305 yards, 14 passing touchdowns for Burrow in those six games. No interceptions, a 120 rating. Chase is spectacular. Higgins is spectacular. Boyd is very good as well. They can hit you vertically. Uh, Burrow, six 16 touchdown passes of more than 40 yards since 2021 in the NFL. Now, one change, though, and Samaji P. Ryan's yes, given them a little P. bit Ryan's, of juice. P. Ryan's been balling. He's been balling for him. There's no doubt 106 yards on the ground last week, 155 total, a career high, three receiving touchdowns week 10 against Pittsburgh. He had 93 total and a touchdown against Tennessee with Mixon out. So will they incorporate P. Ryan? How do they bring Mixon back? What do you expect there, Gerard? I think they have to try it, Nathan, because, again, if you look at going back to our game last week against the Texans and previous prior to that, going back to Tampa Bay. First quarter, it was almost like, okay, we're jabbing, we're jabbing, trying to figure things out, and we got hit a couple times with big runs, but then we figured it out as the fight went on and eventually knocked our opponents out from a defensive side of the ball. So if if you are the Bengals, there's two things that you have to be thinking. One is run the football and test this run defense, especially with Taki Taki being out. See if you can, see if it's going to be shored up with the new guys that are going to be in the middle. You have to do that just to see for what it's worth, to see if there's a mismatch there. And then the other part is this. We've shown signs that we have issues with adjusting. And they did a beautiful play last week, and a couple times actually, where they purposely broke their huddle late 
and then did and then did with that different formations far as having Chase in the backfield and leaking a guy out from another spot where you would anticipate a receiver or a or receiver or a tight end or a running back being located. So I can see them doing a lot of bunch technique, late huddle break stuff just to see if the confusion will mess us up because you know like I know because you call the games that we've had issues with formations, especially the ones of bunch that involve motioning. Yeah, and John Johnson has been the green dot since Jacob Phillips has went down, so that'll say the same. But your middle linebacker, Deion Jones, Kunashik, not a lot of experience with the Browns. They're going to have to make a lot of those adjustments you're talking about. And part of it, too, one of the challenges, more pre-snap motion. They were not running much motion at all right. before the snap in week eight. They're running a lot more now. Again, confusion, communication, the Browns are going to need to be on top of that. Fans, mark your calendars for Faceoff on the Lake, presented by Meyer. Meyer, the, fir- the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here at First Energy. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. When we come back, we'll talk a little stock up, step up. We will go around the league as well. You are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry with you. This is the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network still to come. At just the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, as well as our exclusive interview with Donovan Peoples-Jones, a career high in receiving. Yards, the big punt return last week, becoming a star for the Browns in his third season. But now it's time for a little stock up and step up going into Sunday's game for the Browns against the Cincinnati Bengals. Gerard, let's start with stock up. Whose stock is up in your eyes? It has to be Tony Fields, right? You have that. Oh, yeah. That much production. That much crucial and key plays within the outcome of a football game. Your stock has to be through the roof right now for number 42. All right, and I'm going to go with another kind of unheralded guy on the Browns' defense as well. Perrion Winfrey, career high in snaps last week, career high six tackles. I thought he played very well against the Houston Texans, and you would love to see that continue as the interior of the Browns' defensive line has been an issue. Think about this. He's got 11 tackles on the season, six of them came last week. All right, who's got to step up for you if you want to see the Browns get a victory? They're six straight over the Bengals. I'm going right back to the defensive front, and I'm looking at the middle linebackers in this case, and I'm going to JOK. I'm also looking at Tony Fields, and I'm also looking at Jordan Kanastic as well as Deion Jones. Those guys are going to have to step up. Taki Taki is a huge loss for our football team, so guys are going to have to find a way to get the job done. And again, if I'm the Bengals, I'm going to test that middle to see what it's worth and what's it all about with new additions playing more often than not in that spot. Yeah, and you think about the fact that Sione Takitaki in the last game against the Bengals, a career-high 13 tackles. He had a sack, a forced fumble. It was was probably the best game of his career, Gerard. It was, and he was everywhere. He was unstoppable that night, and the tackling that he put on the display that night was key. And that same type of tackling Nathan's going to have to 
be on display again because the key part to that game I felt that we did extremely well against the Bengals was that once we made contact with the Bengals receiver or a rusher or a tight end, they went down. There was no run after the catch taking place. No, you're right. It was our best tackling game I I think that we've seen maybe in a decade here with the Browns, and they're going to have to do that because Burrow will get the ball out quick. For me, Deshaun Watson has got to step up. Uh, The rust is there, but we're going to need him to be better if we're going to keep pace with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I certainly think he will do that. The guy is simply sensational. He's just got to get back into the rhythm of the National Football League. All right, time now to go around the league. Atlanta has benched Marcus Mariota. They will start rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter Sunday against the Saints. They're still in the playoff mix because the NFC South is dreadful. (laughs) Yes, they are, but I was wondering at one point where they're going to make that move anyway. Why did they wait so late? But obviously they felt that Mariota gave them the best chance and opportunity to win, and that's why you make those moves. But, yes, why not? Let the youngster get a chance and see what he can do and if he can bring the same magic he had in Cincinnati onto the field in Atlanta. But that South is porous, to say the least, as far as competition is concerned. And definitely parity is taking place within that division. But it seems to me, Nathan, that it's going to be the Buccaneers that are going to represent the NFC South. Yeah, the Buccaneers, speaking of Tom Brady, returning to the Bay Area, he will be taking on Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant, now the starting quarterback of a 49ers team that's got a lights-out defense, a lot of talent on offense. Purdy played pretty darn well last week. What do you make of that matchup, and and can the Niners win with Brock Purdy? Yes, they can, because they're going to ask – they're going to – it's kind of interesting to me, Nathan, because it kind of reminds me of the situation Tom Brady found himself in when he came on the scene. Don't do too much. Don't turn the ball over. Manage the game. Make the right reads at the line of scrimmage. And if you can do all those things with the defense and special teams help, you're going to win football games. Is it going to be pretty? No. It could be a situation where you only score three points. But the main thing is don't give up poor field position and don't turn the ball over. And if you do that and don't take sacks, then you're going to win football games for us. And I believe that's really what they're going to ask him to do. And on top of that, when you look at the 49ers, they're more so about their hor- about being horizontal. And what I mean yep. by that, you understand, is that they're not trying to push you down the field that much. They're trying to create angles and create situations where ultimately they get the ball in their playmaker's hands and then they do something run after the catch to make a big play. It's going to be fun to watch Brock Purdy against Tom Brady. The parallels that you drew there, that could be interesting if Purdy can get hot for the 49ers. The sports world is full of myths, but maybe the biggest one is the sure thing, the bet that can't lose. The truth is, though, no matter how confident you are about an outcome, nothing is a given. Want to hear more myths like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com. When we come back, we hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. All along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Coach, congratulations. Two-game winning streak, the first of the season. The goal, obviously, to go 1-0 again this week and add to that. But let's go back to Houston. What did you take away from that game that Probably didn't go like we thought it might, offensively certainly, but your defense special teams really stepped up. Yeah, when you get to December, you're looking to win in a variety of ways, and I think you saw the special teams really make a game-changing play there with Donovan. Obviously, defensively, anytime you can score once is, is great, twice was you know awesome uh, from those guys. So they played at a really high level. As we know, offensively, it just didn't get into the rhythm, didn't score uh, enough points. Uh, but that's where your defense and your special teams picks you up. And I think that's, again, the name of the game in December. Uh, and I think we'll play better 
uh, certainly on offense beginning this week. When you went back and watched the tape, was it better than maybe you thought offensively? Not as good. What did you see when you put that on so that you can build on that going forward? Yeah, I think I saw a bunch of things that are correctable. You know, I think we've we ran the ball really, really well, and I think that was uh, that was good to see for, with our group. Uh, we had some wrinkles, if you will, some of the newer things that we we're doing in the in the run game. I thought was really good, added a, a, a different element to what we're doing, and then we just got to make sure that we can stay on the field and stay in a rhythm, really, in the pass game. What do you think led to the pressure? Because that was, for us, a season high in terms of pressures per drop back or around our season high, certainly well above our average. What did you see there? Because we're going to get some teams starting this week, Cincinnati, with Hendrickson and Hubbard, who absolutely can get after the quarterback. Yeah, again, I think it's it all. everything affects everything else. So you want to make sure that the line is setting the proper depth of the pocket, the quarterback's in the pro- proper spot of the pocket. You know, all the running backs, tight ends are tight ends. So really it just goes back to being on point as a unit to make sure that you're controlling those pressures. One thing I noticed just watching it from above and then going back and watching it, and, and probably not, the, not surprising, it felt like, almost the pace of his dropbacks and the depth of his dropbacks were not always consistent, and that maybe affected some of his rhythm. Is that just rust of game speed versus practice? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that, that fall into that category, and, and I think you got to get through the first one, and you got to get through all the things that go along with the first one and get that, you know, get that game under your belt and then really do hone in on all those little things of playing that position and, all, all, again, all the correctable things, uh, depth in the pocket, you know, progression of reads, those type of things. Uh, I, I do expect, and just having seen Deshaun work uh, during the week, he will just continue to get better. What was kind of his reaction to the film? Because this, this is his lowest rating of his career. First time he's ever been a quarterback in the league where he didn't score an offensive touchdown. What was kind of his reaction to it? Because you won, so it's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah no, obviously excited for the win. Uh, knows he can be better. Knows he will be better. Uh, I think he was tired. You know, there's football shape, and I think he was. He definitely was working through it. He carried the ball uh, a few times for us. So uh, he's continuing to work uh, in this building. He's continuing to work uh, on himself, and I think he'll be better. Do you think people have an appreciation for just how difficult? I think we all just expected he's Deshaun Watson. He was so good. It's Houston. They're not great. He's going to go out there and play. He got one week of practice where he was actually the starting quarterback in terms of reps. When you think about the fact that the last time he did that was, what, August? Late July, early August, mid-August? It were, were our expectations maybe a little out of whack? And do you think it can ramp up quickly now that he's tasted game action? Yeah, you know, in terms of expectations, I don't know I what. Mean, the, yeah, exactly. I don't know what the outside. Uh, for us, it's do your job. You know, lead this offense, do your job. There are things, obviously, and Deshaun would tell you that he wants to do better, and he will. He will just continue to work on it. Uh, I, I think that you, when you're talking about playing quarterback, there's a lot of things going on uh, in terms of. Pr- pr- Aggression, protection, making the proper throws, all those type of things. So it only takes reps, and then it can only take game reps. So we have one game under the belt. And, and again, you know, I've judged things based on what I see at practice, what I see in the meeting rooms. Uh, I think Deshaun will continue to get better. Have you seen a difference this week coming out of a game, knowing that you know he's finally at least tasted that speed and seeing how that translates to the practice field now? Without a doubt. And there's so much nuance to that position uh, again, you're getting good work at practice, and, and you really are, and you're trying to, as much as you can, mimic game speed and mimic game situations. But getting in those situations is really, really important for any player. Uh, and in this case, I think that's has been really helpful for Deshaun to get through a game week, get through that first game, and then you can really turn your attention to Cincinnati and turn your attention to this week's game plan. All right.
we will turn our attention to Cincinnati, a very good team coming in on a four-game winning streak. In fact, the last time they lost was to the Cleveland Browns, who have had their number since you've been here. Five straight wins against the Cincinnati Bengals for the Browns. When you look at this team, though, we'll start with their offense with Burrow and Chase and Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. And it feels like P. Ryan's added a little juice out of the backfield catching the football. What do you see from, from this Bengals offense? Yeah, I mean they're playing at a high level as as everybody sees, and and that's they have a really good scheme. And they got really good players, so it's not too complicated. I, I really think the quarterback's playing at a high level. He's seeing it. He's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Uh, Chase is back, so that's a dynamic football player that they can put the ball in the hands of. So they're operating at a high level. Like you mentioned, that run game, they, P. Ryan runs hard. Mixon, we expect to be back. We know how great a player he is. So uh, they can really hurt you in a bunch of of ways uh, so we got to be about our business they're a unique offense and what I mean by that is don't run much play action they don't run a ton of pre-snap motion although it is up from the last time that we saw them and they operate primarily out of the shotgun they say we're just really good at throwing the football good luck trying to stop us we match up pretty well with that with our pass rush and our corners certainly on the back end there but as somebody who runs a lot of pre-snap motion and you have a lot of kind of I would say complexity to the scheme is it interesting watching a team that says this is who we are, stop us, and, and it's hard to stop them. Yeah, you know, I really enjoy looking across the league, you know, since I, obviously this week, but across the league at different offensive attacks, different defensive attacks, because there are, there are so many similarities among these teams, and there's so many stark differences. Uh, so there are things that they do defensively that, that we don't see very much uh, week in and week out. And then, like you mentioned, offensively, they have a very specific uh, attack, a very specific pass attack, and it fits who they have. Uh, you know, just think about Chase and Higgins and Boyd and two guys on the outside, one guy on the inside, and then adding a, a you know really good running back room, uh, not just Joe Mixon, uh, and then the quarterback. So I think they, they're very, very balanced in that way in their pass attack because they can really work uh, all the entire width of the field. All right, you mentioned their defense, some of the things that they do that are unique. They play their base with five guys on the line, which is somewhat unique around the league. They go commit to try to stop the run. DJ Reader, big deal when he's on the field. They get up a yard per carry less when he is on the field. What do you see from that front, and how do you try to attack it? Yeah, I think, you know, Reader being back, he's playing very, very good football for them. They're, they're stopping the run, uh, like you mentioned, with him on the field. He's, uh, he's a big, big body he's got great feet we've played him so we know what type of player he is uh, that's the other interesting part of this game it was only five weeks ago but readers back chase is back you know for us denzel wyatt david njoku so there's some new there's it's the same scheme it's the same players but there are some new faces that will be in there and readers readers are a big one to, for their defense what he's able to do to control the front you know, they're interesting in that since he's been back, it's allowed them to play a lot more light boxes. When they played us, it was no light boxes. It was the lowest uh, this year for us. But when you go and you say, well, what do they do against Tennessee? Loaded it back up again. So they are a very game-specific defense. And is that – you like that challenge because we're a very game-specific offense, I bet. Yeah, and, and I think when you've played this defense so many times – We've seen it all. They, they've seen it all from us. They've seen every personnel, every run type, every pass type similarly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we have new wrinkles. That's fair. And I'm sure they'll have new wrinkles. I mean, that's kind of the name of the game. But we have so much sample size. We have so many games to go back and look at this defensive coordinator versus our offense and things that, you know, things that they've done which are really, really good and are difficult. We have to have answers for it. So I think that's the fun part 
in the familiarity of a division opponent, you really start to get into uh, that game of this may be their pivot. This may be what they try to do. So let's try and stay one step ahead of them. How many times in a second type of a division game was there something that you showed either in the first one or that you showed in the weeks in between that is really designed for you to say, oh, you think I'm doing A, here comes B? Yeah, there's a little bit of it. Again, going back to second time facing a team, you know they're turning on the tape. (laughs) They're going to watch that game that you played them a few weeks back, and so are we. So you're trying to look at it, and, and you're trying to sit in and watch that tape and sit from their perspective. What are they seeing from us? What, what do they think our mentality is uh, by down and distance, by field position, uh, and try to understand what they may do differently going into this next one? How do you balance what our strengths are and what your tendencies that we have developed now over the last three seasons are to just bring up something you said just mm-hmm. popped a question in my mind? Certain down and distance, certain field position. They know all that. They have every play call you've ever called from which hash, blah, 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 blah. How challenging is it to say, okay, this is what I want to do, or to balance when do I want to go break tendency to try to really hit them, as you did last week with Jacoby. By the way, awesome play call. That was a lot of fun. Everybody thinks you're sneaking. You're on a little tight end sweep, which was – that was cool. But things like that, how often do you – break versus saying this is who we are this is our core yeah I, I think it's a good question I think tendencies are totally fine as long as you know them. what you want to do is know exactly what your opponent knows about you and that's part, and then part of it is exploiting those type of things so we work really hard in not just looking at our opponent but also looking at ourselves and saying okay what are they seeing and what opportunities do that does that present for maybe a big play Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck down in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Joined now by the man with the punt return, heard around the world last week against the Houston Texans, Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Donovan, let's start with that. Felt like against Tampa, you get close to breaking some, had a couple 20-yard returns, and now to the house. What did you see on that play, and at what point did you know you were going all the way? Like you said, yeah, I was close the week before. I really wanted that one. Um started watching a lot of film, watching how, you know, after I made a couple moves, my guys were right there with me, uh, right there along the way, blocking, never gave up. So the week after in Houston, caught the ball, um, was doing what I was coached to do, um, you know, downhill return, made the first guy miss. And after I did make those guys miss, it was like a seam was open. And when I saw that seam, I tried to hit it. And another guy came in from the right. Um, tripped me up a little bit, and then after I recovered my stumble, then I knew that, like, once I saw that seam, you know, I was in there. And then watching it after the game, um, unbelievable, unbelievable job by each and every teammate, each and every person on that punt return team. I uh, really couldn't have done it without them because the blocks were perfect. Everybody gave great effort the whole, whole way down the play, down the field, uh, running just as fast as me to get a block. So really appreciate that. Yeah, Dearness, AJ Green down the field, a couple big ones, and then Jerome Ford looked like was he was he in like a different speed? What was going on there? I don't know if he was about to catch me, but <laughs> I think it's because I stumbled. So you know that's why he was looking so fast. But now nah, all of those guys, um, like I said, gave great effort. I was running as fast as me just to get a block. So 
that's that's what made that play. So you had a, I think it was 75 yarder against Tennessee. I want to say in 2020, and then this was a, of a catch. This was a 76 yard punt return. When you have ones that are that long, and you get to the final 20 yards, and you're like, I'm gonna score. What's going through your mind on those final 20? Are you looking at the board to make sure nobody's behind you? Like, what are you thinking when you say, okay, it's about to, it's about to happen? I'm running. I'm trying to get my knees up. I'm trying to go back to when I was running track and keep that form. Uh, I'm just thinking form, form, form form maybe you know peek on the big screen a little bit to see if anybody's behind me but um yeah so in Tennessee you had a great dance as I recall in the, in the end zone did you dance on this one I was too excited obviously in the booth you've seen me I was going crazy up there I don't remember if there was any dancing or not it was a little bit after after my teammates came and celebrated with me it was a little bit um but you know all my teammates were around me we were all celebrating they were all happy um I was happy as well I was just a little <laughs> tired so I wasn't you know but yeah it was it was a, it was a great play all right we're going to do a little trivia. Where did you have your first NFL catch? My first NFL catch was in Cincinnati. Who threw the pass? Jarvis Landry. That's right. Oh, did you also catch your first NFL touchdown in that game in a, in a walk-off winner, basically? Yes, sir. Did you score the last time you went to Cincinnati also? Yes, sir. So do you like playing in Cincinnati? I love playing in Cincinnati. Is that wild, though, when you think about it? I think that's one of my favorite trivia questions for people. Who threw the first pass that Donovan Peoples-Jones ever caught? It was the great Jarvis Landry, of course, and that was the game that really kind of started you going in 2020, and you've built on that the next year a career high, this year a career high, but it all started there. That game, Odell goes down, you get the action. When you think about kind of just how crazy things have unfolded, for you, your story as a Cleveland Brown really begins in Cincinnati. Yeah, um, it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, Anything I can do to help this team win, it is – you know, surreal that, you know, my big brother figure of Jarvis threw me my first pass. And uh, I always thank him to this day for throwing me my first pass, getting me started. So, um, like, like, like I try to take each week the same, same approach, you know, trying to have my best game. Um, just so happened that Cincinnati was able to make some plays, help my team, help my team score points. Do you hear from guys like Jarvis after you get the punt return and obviously score in Detroit and just the way that your season's going, stuff like that, some of the, the big brothers that you got a chance to play with here early in your career? Yeah, we, we, we talk text every now and then, so um, very appreciative of them. What did your mom think of the punt return touchdown? Uh, she was excited. I remember uh, going to the half, I saw her, and she was just like she was so happy for me. So um, it, it, it means a lot to have her witness that in person and have her there and being able to you know connect with her in person. So. She doesn't miss a game, right? Nah, she doesn't miss too many. She doesn't miss too many. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, for sure. Did you see, speaking of parents, did you see Tony Fields' dad? Have you seen this video? I was. I, I saw it right after it happened, and I was just hoping that he would keep his balance. Um, I don't know what video you're referring to, but if it's the same video that I'm thinking of. Tony throws him the ball, and he goes to try to like catch the ball, and he like dives over three rows and takes a header but makes the catch. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was happy as he should be. Tony had a great game. Um, you know, that's just great to play great in front of your parents. So you've made a lot of crazy catches in your career, and I think you're one of the best, just wild catch catchers in the league. But Tony Fields' dad, that's unfortunately nobody was hurt, so we can laugh about it. He didn't get hurt. Nobody in his path got hurt, which is great. Incredible catch, though, when you think about it, to go over basically three rows of a stadium, take a header, and come up with the ball. You may you may see why where, where Tony gets it from. So um, Tony had a great game, but maybe that's where it started. So it's obviously, it, it is in the genes. All right, Cincinnati. We've talked about your success in Cincinnati. You haven't lost to this team since you've been a member of the Cleveland Browns. What is it about kind of this matchup that has worked so well for you personally, and then also for this team? Um, it's definitely definitely a rival game, but you know we, we we treat this week like we treat any other week, trying to hone in on what we have to do to play our best game on Sunday.
You caught all three of Deshaun Watson's targets to you last week, three catches, 44 yards. What did you see from him out there? What's kind of different, and how much better have you seen him be this week in practice getting ready now that he's had that game experience? Yeah, well, we're, we're still adjusting. Everybody's adjusting. Um, it's adjustments each game with players in and out. It's adjustments with players getting the chemistry. Um, chemistry in the game you know, isn't the same as practice. Um, in the game, is so much more going on. So, you know, this game will be better. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all surrounded to Sean. We're there for him, uh, there to make his job easier. What's the biggest difference from you catching his ball versus Jacoby's? From my standpoint, it feels like from the time he decides to throw, his motion's a little shorter, so it comes out a little quicker. Jacoby's got a great arm, too, but it just feels like maybe it comes a little quicker. Man, when I see the ball in the air, I'm just, you know, happy, to, happy that the ball is in the air. <laughs> you don't care how it gets there as long as it's coming your direction. Yes, sir. Do you feel like in this third year, what's the biggest change? We talked about your first catch, Cincinnati. What's the biggest change in Donovan Peoples-Jones, the person, and the biggest change in Donovan Peoples-Jones, the NFL player, from that week seven, 2020, when you when you got your career going? Just getting older, just getting used to things, um, getting smarter, um, getting more used to how things are, um, my role, how I can you know be better in my role each given week. So really focusing in on the little things to – to help me grow. All right, just for fun, what do you think of what Michigan's done so far this year? Oh, I love it. I love it. Every every time, these past two weeks, you know, they, they won and we won. So I love it. I love it. Um, very, very proud alumni right now, and um, hopefully they can take it all the way. So since you've been in the league, right, because in 20 they didn't play, they won in 21, they won in 22, I bet you haven't heard much from Denzel. <laughs> I haven't heard much from those guys. <laughs> I haven't heard much from those guys. And you got a lot of Michigan. You got Chase here. You got some Michigan guys on the squad. Are you guys? Is Michigan taking care of business against TCU? I think we have a really good chance. Really good chance. Is that fun when you have kind of this all going on? You're obviously a Cleveland Brown first. Foremost, you guys have won a couple in a row now. You're scoring touchdowns. You're making big plays. Michigan's doing well. Is that? Do people understand how much in an NFL locker room your college and what your college is doing matters? Do you think people understand that? I don't think people understand it because they're not in it. But you know, definitely. I mean, everybody supports their alumni so whenever you can see you know your the team the school that you went to do great um just makes for great conversation it makes for you know great talking smack to each other so um it's all good were there any fun wagers on the uh on the game this year there were a couple there were a couple so you, you're collecting yeah i'm a collector yeah nothing wrong with that donovan always a pleasure congrats on your success looking forward to see more of it this sunday back in cincinnati where all you do is score touchdowns yes sir appreciate y'all be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Wrapping it up when we return here. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. 
Browns fans, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on game days with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a Browns autographed item. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. It's the Browns and the Bengals this Sunday. The Bengals 8-4, and four, winners of four in a row, their last loss to the Browns, who have beaten them in five straight. Keys to victory, you got to win the turnover battle. The Browns are 3 know this year when they've won the turnover battle in this streak against the Bengals they have won the turnover battle the last three games they have five sacks of Burrow or the last two games five sacks of Burrow and three takeaways in each game the Browns need to do that and then offensively you got to get to Sean Watson on track get him back to his form I think part of that is rust part of that is taking advantage of the coverages from the Bengals and then Give Nick Chubb the ball. He's got more than 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns in three straight full games against Cincinnati. All three wins, all three games. The Browns had more than 30 points. Coming up this Sunday, the Browns and the Bengals, a battle for Ohio in Cincinnati at 9 a.m. It's Cleveland Browns game day with Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry at 11 a.m. The Cleveland Browns kickoff show with Andy Baskin, Tyvis Powell, and Ken Carmen. And at 1 o'clock, kickoff with the great Jim Donovan, Gerard, and I from Paycor Stadium down in Cincinnati. Can the Browns make it six in a row against the Cincinnati Bengals? Can they get to six and seven and get themselves right back in the thick of things in the AFC North with their third consecutive season sweep over the Bengals? For producer Meredith Kane and Connor Lawrence, Nathan Zagura thanking you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.